Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the MTG Complex cast. My name is John and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Chris. E. This week we're going to be talking all about Pioneer. We've had two Pioneer PTs this past weekend and two Pioneer GPs to go with it, as long as an SCG, or along with a SCG team event, which we're probably not going to talk about. But there's been a lot of Pioneer this weekend. Uh, so let's get into our weekly roundup and uh, tell you what we've been up to before we get into our main subject. Chris, what have you been up to? Well, I played no Pioneer at all. <laughs> Boo. I did purchase cards for a Pioneer deck. Ooh. What deck? More on that later. Man, making us wait. But um, the past two weeks at FNM, I played the Bant. Even down as Bant taking turns, it's it's the uh, it's the Reclamation uh, Nexus of Fate deck. Bant taking turns. I watched you take all the turns in time. <clears throat> I did. I took very many turns. Yeah, I got to play um, almost peak uh, peak magic. magic. Paid six dollars. You want every penny's worth out of your tournament. <laughs> so the first week I played, I went three and one. I so the the first round, I sit down and everyone you know everyone knows me as Mister Amulet, right? Yeah. So yeah. I sit down and this guy, I think I'm males in the play. I'm like you know, assume covered island go. And I don't think he really knows knows me much, but yeah, he goes like. Um, forest pass. Okay. Like second land go. He's like second land pass. Like end of your turn, Kotal. Like third land go. And it's like, what is going on over there? Because it it was like forest and some other relatively innocuous land, I think. And then he goes like Castle Garenbrig. Once upon a time for no mana. Like ah yes the old, the classic turn three zero mana once upon a time <laughs> gotta gotta maximize how dig how deep you dig you know yeah so he resolves once upon a time goes and gets um, a land it's like once upon a time is the storybook but there's like six blank pages at the beginning of the book you have to like flip through before the story actually starts it's like the it's like the, yeah it's like the, the publisher page the blank page the like dedication page the like publishing page <clears throat> the table of contents another blank fucking page ah uh, yes here we are 20 pages in once upon a time there was you know there was a you know sun home fortress of the legion Sure. <laughs> so then he goes, Azusa, Grill Chamber, pick up my um, castle, play my castle, play my son home. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's one too many lands, dude. That's cheating. It's like, huh? What? Yeah. You played your land for the turn, the castle, then you played Azusa, you played second first initial land, bounce land, picked that up, paid second initial land, the castle again, then you played another land which you're not allowed to play. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm like, yeah, because you play land before playing once. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then he like uses his castle to play a snake and pass back to me. <laughs> so I untap. I don't know. I like do something. Goes back to him, and then 
I think he like plays two amulets, right? Like, oh boy, here we go. He's like, uh, Tory West, uh, some one type triggers. Like, yeah, huh? So are you gonna float one or both blue? It's like, uh, yeah. So 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 two blue. Then I'm gonna play Rot Farm, untaps. Like, uh huh. Yeah. So now you have six in your pool if you're tapping it both. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like me playing uh-huh. emulate. Like, so uh... I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm gonna pick it up. Yeah. Okay. Replay it. Okay. Yeah. So now you have um ten in your pool. Now what? He's like, uh, transmute. Like, okay. What what are you floating? Uh. Green, green, black, or black, black, green? Like, black, black, green, green, or green, green? Yeah, so is it green, green, black, or black, black, green? He's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Green, green, <laughs> you're the black. Worst. You're the worst person to play this deck against if you're learning. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. You can transmute. He's like, uh, get this packed. He has, like, a bunch of other lands in play, too. I'm like, okay. He's like, packed? Like, ah, uh, cryptic command, counter that. <laughs> you're the fucking worst. <laughs> Like, uh, like, oh well. What if his like, he had two cards left? So what if his left hand is you know cavern? And I just lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I kind of I kind of bodied him. I just like <laughs> knew everything that he was trying to do before he knew he was trying to do it. Yeah. And after talking with him afterwards, it seems like it sounded like he was pretty new to the deck. Um, he used to play like Simic Urza, I guess. And he's playing Amulet because he thinks it's the best deck in the format now. Ah, now. You've always thought that, Chris. Yeah, but see, when when you play the deck for the first time ever, it's actually not the best deck in the format at all. No, it's pretty fucking trash. (laughs) Having played the deck myself, it is uh, clunky when you don't know what you're doing. And I do kind of feel for the guy because round two he played against Swans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like why is that still a thing at our shop? Why is Swan still a thing? Yeah, fucking Mike showed up with Swans and just branched the kid. He's oh. not a kid; he's probably older than I am. <laughs> but yeah, poor guy. Ah, uh, yeah. May he rest in pieces. <laughs> so how was uh how was uh Bant taking turns for you? Did you have fun? Did you have all the fun? of the group share of fun (laughs) the deck is hot fire except for when it's trash how often is is that (laughs) semi-frequently ah i see so the i I think the highlight of the deck was definitely the match against john (laughs) i hate you i hate you so much (laughs) so spoiler alert john was playing um blue red breach um that weekend and Uh, we got paired what round two or three I think it was round three. Were we both one and one at that point? Something like that. Or yeah. two and no. I don't know. Anyway, <sighs> it's it, we're in game one, <laughs> and I am trying to, you know, I, I'm afraid of the breach, so I can't really, like, tap too low. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to remand his breachy boy. Breachy boy. But... I also know if I can somehow resolve this Teferi, like, Breach is pretty fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Like, Teferi in the blue mirror is insane, obviously. <sighs> so, yep. I go to shove it. How, how many of those were you like, playing uh, main deck, by the way? A one Teferi in the main deck. Uh, yeah, just one. That's right. Just just, just one. Just just the one. Which you had. That's, that's right. So, I, I try and shove it 
on turn four, three, two, I don't know. And he remands it. I'm like, okay. I think it was like five, I had two mana up to just to help because I had a remand. So I was like, okay, well, if I remand my Teferi, that's like card advantage for me, but then he just untapped and breaches me and I lose. So I can't actually remand his, you know, here. So I'll have to wait. So then I wait until I have Teferi plus Scripted Command. Yeah, something like that. It was like Teferi plus Scripted Command plus Remand or something insane. Something sounds, insane like that. That sounds right, yeah. So I go like, oh, Teferi. He goes, Cryptic, counter your Teferi. I'm like, ah, oh, Cryptic, counter your Cryptic. And he's like, ah. Oh. Like, force of negation, counter your Cryptic. And I think I think I had only Cryptic. Yeah, I don't think you... I think you tapped out for it. Right? Yeah, and I just like, wow. I'm just gonna fucking lose. Because I had like only one mana up, not two. Because I didn't wait an extra turn. Yeah, that's what it was. You had one mana. And it's like, wow. Like, I didn't play around his force at all. So I'm just gonna fucking lose now. He's gonna untap, reach me, and that's it. GG. GG's. <laughs> I'm like, alright. Go ahead. He like, untaps. Go. I'm like, woo! Woo! Didn't have it. I did. It wasn't. I tanked for a while though. <laughs> a yeah, little... you like sat there for a little bit, and you're like, pass. Like, woo! Yeah, still alive. Gotta feel good about that one. So uh... I just like pass back to him, and he doesn't do anything on his end step either. And on his end step, I cast Nexus of Fate. Because <laughs> uh... like, what? Like, what do you do? Like, if you respond with breach, okay. And then cool. it just goes to my end step and it just goes away again. And I take an extra turn again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he just like, so, like sat there, looked at the Snex of Fate and is like, yep, yep, yep. And just like picks up his cards and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, you had me dead in two is what it was. I like tapped low. I think I tapped low. I didn't even have an erection. You ta- I tapped low and then you, you Nexus to me end of turn and I was just dead to Manland beats. In yeah, two. Just, I had to call an aid and you were just too yeah. low from yeah i was like fine for a turn but not two turns i like obviously didn't play around nexus of fate for <laughs> didn't play around time walk for like a double mainland beats yeah on your end step time walk yeah feels bad i had garbage in my hand that game other than the combo after the turn because it had been a, quite a long game and john had been playing like open up the sea and like scrying my sacking it and all this kind of shit so i was like oh man like he's probably has it i'm just gonna lose here and he just didn't kill me like that's cool (sighs) come to find out john had it yeah i had the combo in hand i had Immercool and uh and the breach (laughs) the turn after the teferi fight yeah but so how i didn't play around force at all and got bamboozled john (laughs) played around the force that wasn't in my deck Yep, I was that's playing awesome. zero Force of Negations in my Why seven. would you play Force of Negation in your blue combo control deck that has tons of card advantage? That just seems terrible. Why would you do that? Yeah. Instead, you should play four Factor Fictions. Much better. <laughs> the numbers on this deck. I had no idea what was in your deck at the time. Protection? No. But, but afterwards... Card advantage? Just like, what the fuck is this deck list? Like... Why play protection when we can just play piles of card advantage? Like, what? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so the deck had four factor fictions, three Sphinx's Revs, three Nexus of Fate. It played a 
life from the loam and five cycle lands. What a fucking pile. It played Utopia Sprawls. It played eight snakes. Yeah, eight snake. It's like tribal snakes. Tribal bant snakes. You got, you got your, uh, your what were they? Yeah, Sakura tribe elders, and you got your codals. You yeah. got your winged snakes and your licked snakes. You got arm snakes and wing snakes. <laughs> you got all the snakes. <laughs> They're all one ones, though. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, and then game two, I don't. I think one gets you I, a card on the way in, the other gets you a card on the way out. <laughs> I think game two, I just played a Teferi, got countered, and I played a second Teferi, and it didn't get countered, and then the game ended, basically. Yeah. Super fun. Very interactive. Yay, Teferi. Uh, yeah, I should have just jammed it in that first game, but I don't know. It's just like, oh, if like, he has Force Negation, I'd probably like, lose on the spot. To like yeah, a so then wreck or something stupid. Afterwards, I was like, oh, "John, I don't, I don't play Force in my my seventy five. You're just like fucking bamboozled. You're like what? Like mm, afraid of the Force? You well, see. it just didn't make sense. It was like, why would he jam here? Like if he's just dead, like he must have Force. Like there's no way he could be that bad. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like one mana, like." That's fucking weird. I guess he has Force of Negation. I don't want to lose to Force of Negation into Wilderness Rex, so I guess he can go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just supposed to make you have it. Just didn't didn't add up. Didn't plot to me. So feels bad. But uh, yeah, you get to you get to take all five turns and turns in another match. So that was cool. Yeah, so this past Friday, I went one, two, and one. <laughs> I went to time twice. But one of them was for the win. Yeah, one was for the win. I got... You'll never guess who I went to time against. You fought for that draw. You fought tooth and nail for that draw. <laughs> yeah, so I, I lost game one because he had early Stoneforge Mystic. And that... He was able to put a Sword of Fire and Ice in play, and Ice Fang Kotal is blue. So that's awkward. And Teferi is also blue. And turns out, everything that I have that's relevant is blue. <laughs> and Sword kills you pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, the Swords do a lot of damage really fast. So that was unfortunate. Game 2 was a fucking slog. <laughs> but, um... Sam... Sam went up to like 45 life or something. 48, I think. 47, 48, yeah. It was, he was at a multiple of five when I started attacking him for a lot. But I did six, I don't know. It was some some relatively high life total because of Martyr of Sam. He was at 48 and you did three the first turn. Right? The very first turn you started attacking, mm, I think. I went three, six, ten, 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 ten. Yeah. Something like that. In any case, so we were, we started going, we started getting close to time, and dangerously close. In fact, <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I have the loop. I can take like all the turns. But Sam's like, but can you even kill me? Do you have the damage? Do you even? Because I'm at like forty something life, bro. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, all right, let's fire up this call. And he's like, feel the rune that shit. <laughs> 
Get that I'm shit like, oh, out of no. here. Oh, no. Oh, no. My one ones will not beat fast enough. I don't have enough time. And I was like, wait a minute. Life from the loam. I can just loam back my colonnade, and then I can still swing with the other four remaining turns. So, yeah, I hit him down to, like, 35, and then untapped and hit him for 10 for four consecutive turns. Yeah. yeah with right. three codals, three elders, and a colony. <laughs> yeah, that was, that so was a game. on turn five extra turns, where I had taken the last seven or eight turns, I killed him on turn five. Yep. For the draw. <laughs> for the draw. Yeah, you had to fight real hard for that fucking draw. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you were just like throwing cards at him at the end there, just like trying to like see, like get yourself in a position before a turn started. You're like, "Fuff, don't even tap mana." It's like it's like <laughs> you weren't even tapping mana. It was just like I have all the mana because I had three reclamations. Like yeah. I have all of the mana. Yeah, I'm gonna do some things at the end of your turn or the end of this turn. I'm gonna fuff. What are you gonna give me? Okay, pick some cards. Hurry up. Okay. Yeah, make the piles. Come on. Snap, snap, <laughs> chop, chop. Doesn't matter what they are. I'm taking the one with with the nexus in it. Yeah, yeah. Just just put the other four in the graveyard now. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, Dex Dex a hoot, but man, it is clunky sometimes. Holy shit, the man is like really bad because you're the snow deck that's not playing astrolabes. Yeah, because those don't untap with your you know reclamation. So why would you play those? <laughs> It also makes your codals worse, which was really felt against humans and burn. Like, not being able to trade until my turn three was, like, really bad. Yeah, codals really slow against burn when you don't have astrolabe. And it's kind of slow even with astrolabe. It's just like, oh, I can't block? I, uh, okay. Yeah. So I went to time against humans in the last round and ended up losing because I, I resolved... Okay, so that game, I resolved... Four cryptic commands. All of them were tap and draw. Nice. I resolved four factor fictions. I cycled all of my cycle lands. I resolved four ice sphinx codals. Uh, I could not find a sphinx's revelation. There's three? Yes. Cool. <laughs> when I died... All three Sphinx's Revelations and all three Nexus of Fate were in the bottom, were in the, my, my library, which had nine cards in it. <laughs> oh. Oof. That's unlucky. Yeah, it's just like... Okay. Yeah, what am I going to do? Guess I'll just die then. Uh, game two was pretty hot, though. Like, Time of Reinforcements bought me... Like one and a half. <laughs> yeah, okay. two turns. protection program. Your screen went black. Just a silhouette on the webcam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My um, name is Chris. <laughs> I'm on the run for playing wilderness reclamation deck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did the voice distortion effect in for the rest of the podcast? Just be like Kylo Ren for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I can throw you in the first. <laughs> well, we got spoilers for the new Star Wars movie. Wouldn't want to spoil that masterpiece for anybody. Yeah, because it's, you know, very new and just came out yesterday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways. 
Uh, yeah, the game I won was was sweet though because um, he meddling. He <laughs> I was able to like fight through all the stupid meddling mages. So like he meddling maged on Ice Fin Kotal, which was like really good early in the game. So I had to like cryptic to like tap his dude's bounce his meddling mage so I could play the three fucking Ice Fin Kotals that were in my hand. <laughs> Jam him out at sorcery speed. <laughs> and then his second meddling mage named like Sphinx's Rev. So then I like foffed and hit explosives, so like explosives to weigh that one, so I could rev for like I rev for fifteen. Hot. That's hot. Fifteen. Let me just deck myself real quick. Yeah, he untapped and was unable to do fifteen plus more damage to me. Wow. So he did the big die. Surprising. <laughs> uh yeah. Deck is sweet, but man. Like Sometimes you Utopia Sprawl and you have to make a decision. Oh god, that deck plays Utopia Sprawl, that's right. You know, you gotta decide what color do you name. And sometimes you choose wrong and you you lose. <laughs> I saw you naming blue for the most part. Yeah, typically it's blue because you're playing Forests. Four fucking cryptic commands. Yeah. And it has to enchant a forest, so that's not making blue mana. You could put on a breeding pool, but you'd be wrong. Yeah, it seems not ideal. <laughs> huh. Just asking to get Field of Ruined or something else. Ooh, yeah. Um, but sometimes you're like, oh man, I named blue and like, I wish I named white so I could Sphinx's Rev right now. Or like, oh man, I wish I named green so I could play a Kotal and an Elder this turn. But, yeah. I don't know. Deck's cool. I was also playing it with only three uh, Wilderness Reclamations, which was not ideal. <laughs> you couldn't find the fourth? Yeah, I just couldn't find the fourth. Mm. So the first week I played a Vendillion Click instead, which was okay. It was fine. <laughs> uh, I took it out for the second week because I figured that it made Retrieval better against me game one, which I didn't want. So I just played a second Teferi instead because that card's dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can confirm. Oh, I so I, I was talking to John earlier about Veil of Summer. And being banned, you could play Veil of Summer in your sideboard. And I always complain that I always put Veil of Summer on my sideboard, and I either never get to slide it in because I never play against a deck that it's good, or when I do, I never draw it. So everyone says, Veil of Summer so good, such a broken card. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I never get to feel the power. The power? <laughs> oh, can you feel it, Crook? Oh, yeah. But on Friday, I did feel the power. When I got to fizzle a Dovin's Veto with my <laughs> Veil of Summer. Hot. Uncounterable? Sorry, untargetable. <laughs> That's where you're wrong, kiddo. Um, how can you counter if you can't even target? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, also, I just recently finished a league on MTGO playing Amulet. I was trying out one Valakut and four of the new Dryad. I did very badly. That's I got destroyed by everything. It was very sad. I got it was, it was bad. I lost to Titan Shift. Uh, you lost to Jund. Jund. You lost to fucking Jund and Mono Red Kiln Fiend. Although to be fair, that Jund player was very lucky. They uh, they survived the the Bob the double Bob at four life challenge for multiple turns. <laughs> and then they survived the single Bob at two life challenge for like two turns. Yeah. Yeah, opponent is clearly more skilled than you are. Yeah. He, like, 
flips land to his bob at two and then draws for turn and had to have drawn like the blood right off. I don't see what the problem is, Chris. They flip land to bob, you draw land every turn. It just evens out. Everyone's drawing lands. Like, is that what I get for doing what I do in game two? Which was... <laughs> I, 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 I like called it right before, before it happened. I was like, all right, here's what's going to happen, John. I'm going to play Forest and Pass. He's going to Thosties me and I'm going to in response... Uh, once upon a time to be like oh no like don't take my once upon a time and then just veil summer's thoughtsies <laughs> which is exactly what happened uh good times good times yeah you're a bad person <laughs> let him, let him well, help. because like if if i veil first then i can't i can't once for free that's true Oh, yeah. Maximum value. <laughs> anyway, John, what have you been up to in Magic? So the two weeks we've been gone, I played uh, the Blue-Red Through the Breach deck. Uh, the one that uh, MTGO Grinder the Pin Sword has been playing with. Notable Blue-Red Grinder. They just they play Blue-Red decks. And they do well a lot. It's like their thing. I forget. the. I think his name is like Jacob up something he's on twitter if you look up the pen sword i think you'll see him uh but he uh he was streaming this blue red breach deck and i always thought it was cool i was like you know i want to like want to play a deck that's like got a you know a combo but it's also like a control deck hint for later this is a reoccurring theme in this episode of the podcast for me uh <laughs> so i was like yeah i want to i want to play control but i want to like actually kill people instead of doing what chris did and just chip people to death with a bunch of ice fang totals over 20 fucking turns it's pretty great though <laughs> i've been doing that for a while and i just want to kill people so i was like you know what you know uh breach and emrakul sounds super cool i'll do that i had the most dog shit hands of that fnm it was terrible i was mulling like crazy just like couldn't find lands or flooded and then i finally had some games i played against humans down i think we were at like the bottom of the bracket and i have i have the hand i'm like you know i'm getting beat down or whatever and i'm like okay i'm gonna breach him clean things up a little bit and then i had like i think i had one i had two of one of the pieces so i like breach him or cool him he like sacks all his lands keeps like a a vial and then like another dude or something and i'm like kind of low like cracks back i draw i draw the second half of the combo so i breach tighten him again Oh, not Titan. Sorry, I always say I always say breach and I breach Emrakul him again. I keep always saying breach Titan. I breach Emrakul him again, and he's like, "Uh, activate vile. Uh, put in this deputy of detention. Uh, detain your Emrakul. He's wanted in you know five uh five planes for crimes for against his war you. crimes. Yeah, for his war <laughs> crimes. Uh, he's detained. Um, over here. And uh, by the way, I'm gonna kill you with my mopey little dudes that are laying around. Now that you know you have nothing. That was super cool." Yeah, humans beat the double back to back breach tight uh, breach Emrakul two turns in a row. Like notch in their belt, but felt pretty bad for me. It was like I think they, they I don't think they had any lands left. It was like <laughs> we're going. They don't need lands. Yeah, it's just like uh, we'll keep this vial. It's like fuck. Okay, well I don't think he can kill me in time, and he couldn't. But uh, deputy of detention uh, did me did me real real dirty. So that was really frustrating in an already kind of shitty tournament. And so I was like. Well, obviously, this is like, you know, just like 
you're on you know the shitty end of the bell curve like it doesn't normally work out like this the deck's like pretty good a lot of people think the deck's like pretty well positioned in modern right now and you get to play blood moon in the board and we have a lot of big mana at our shop so i was like well for most of the week i was like eh, i'm just gonna run it back like you know and i was like thinking about it. i was like this is meh i'm salty i got i got crushed playing this deck i want to play something different and i've been wanting to play the the bant uh stoneforge deck for a while anyways so i was like you know what fuck two-part combo i've got my fill of that for other reasons that we'll get to in a minute uh i'll just i'll play bant so last week i played bant snowblade with the super spicy two sideboard blood moons off of a steam vents and your astrolabes real hot got a tron player real good with them um and that was fun um i think i went like two and two um had some marginally better than some the, uh, some close games stick. yeah i don't know i just like i have been mulliganing so much lately it's it's absurd i think i mold like i think in the first two rounds i mold like five times or something that's a lot of mulling i don't know just like feel like i can't find lands lately i don't know it's really strange just <laughs> here we go again oh man he's back in the witness protection program he's gone he's gone black you change your power settings <laughs> that doesn't happen um but yeah i don't know uh Bansto blade's pretty sweet i'll probably run it back this week uh i enjoyed the deck it's fun um stoneforge mystic uh, getting a batter skull is a uh, pretty sweet um played against grixis ninjas the last round down at the bottom of the bracket again against the same guy who was playing humans the week before so we had our we had our showdown again uh the last round and i got to um beat a turn to bitter blossom with like uh timely reinforcements into gideon ally of zendikar just make an emblem immediately it's like i got six power and then we we got to race and i got to blow him out with a veil of summer veil of summer is really fun i think i like i think i like veiled him finished the game and i was like yeah they should probably ban this card <laughs> this card is stupid <laughs> i didn't deserve to probably win this game because god yeah i think it was like veil of summer on a spell stutter sprite or something <laughs> it's like yeah like in the band control decks veil of summer it's like the the meme of like in the church like everyone pointing a gun at yeah the <laughs> it's like a line of people of guns <laughs> it's like spell counter spell dovin's veto and like the one in the rafters is like veil of summer <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's spot on yeah just god damn what a fucking stupid card i hate that card so much I'd be happy to see it go. Hopefully it does go. But um, the reason uh, that I've gotten my fill of A plus B combo decks is the other deck that I've been spending a lot of time playing since we last talked, and that is um, the New Hotness and Pioneer, which is the blue-black um, Inverter of Truth Oracle of Thassa combo deck. And we're going to talk about that a lot on this podcast, so let's just say I've been playing a lot of it and doing very well with it and very pleased. Haven't gotten a 5-0 yet, but I haven't gone negative at all. It's been positive EV every single league I've done, including the ones where I was making completely just asinine mistakes because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah, I, th I threw some games really hard. <laughs> Inverter, lets you, uh, Inverter lets you kill yourself real good if you fuck up. It's like... Turns out exiling your entire library uh, is real bad if you don't plan ahead sometimes. <laughs> like, oh, I'll inverter and then like draw into my oracle. Wait a minute. What oracle? 
Yeah. Well, no, I had a game where like um, my blue white opponent had two field of uh, ruins in play, and I like exiled my deck, made my graveyard my my deck, and then I had no basics in my deck, and they just blew up both my blue sources. That was huh. that's cool. It's real cool. It was on board, by the way. So you know, super cool. That was like the first league. Yeah, first couple of leagues, it was like lose one match to a really bad punt and then lose another match to aggro because I had a really bad sideboard against aggro and then win the other three easily. So that was kind of like how it went for like a few leagues <laughs> until we, we fixed the mistake problem and then the results started improving. Um, but anyways, um, let's get into the meat of our uh, uh, podcast this week, which is we're going to be talking mainly about Pioneer. We had that pair of pro tours and accompanying GPs in uh brussels and nagoya um there was a story that kind of leads up to these events the pts particularly where um i think it was let's see the 20 yeah the 22nd um a moto grinder named will urker uh posted on twitter and i'll, I'll pull it up to uh, website view you can share for people watching uh, he posted that he had 4-1 with blue-black splinter twin, in quotes, and said, assumed it'd be a meme, but it's nice to play a combo deck with one mana interaction. And I saw this and was like, hot damn, I do like me a Demir decks, which we spent a lot of time talking about in Pioneer just what last cast or the one before that. It was like, oh yeah, I want to play me some Demir control in, in Pioneer. And two, I really like Dig Through Time and One Man Interaction. And I like combo kills. I was already on a kick for that, like uh, we talked about earlier with the uh, the Breach deck. Really wanted to play, you know, a control deck that actually had a way to win without, you know, chipping people away over a billion turns. Um, so this deck got a little bit of attention from some people. Um, and uh, the next day, on the 23rd, Canister is streaming, playing some decks, and he was kind of unhappy with what he had been playing in Pioneer up to that point. And he played against uh, Get Smart, who is a host on the Midweek Metagame podcast that Gabriel Nassif is on. And he gets fucking dumpstered by this Inverter deck. And he's like, huh. So the very next day, he streams the deck. And he's just slapping people. And word gets out. And the deck just like blows up overnight. And tons of people start testing the deck for the Pro Tour. The deck is really powerful. No one really knows how to play against it or sideboard against it yet. And we get to this weekend, and it is, uh, I believe, the most played deck at PT Nagoya and the second most played deck in PT Brussels. Um, this is where I am both A, a genius, and B, an idiot, because I bought all the cards for the deck in paper and rented the deck online on the night of the 22nd before word got out. What I did not do, however, was buy a billion freaking copies of Inverter of Truth and make a ton of money. So I'm a fool. <laughs> so that's that's a bummer. But I didn't have to spend a bunch of money either. I got all my stuff for like, you know, bulk rare prices. So that was cool. could have been worse. That could have been worse. Yeah. Anyways, so now that we've kind of given you the timeline for this this new combo deck in Pioneer, let's talk about the deck itself a little bit. Um, because it is kind of something that the format hasn't really had since they banned the Sahili Cat combo deck, and that's a, a controlling, um, controlling uh, counter spell deck. So I'll pull up um, Canister's list here from the uh, the PT because that's 
air quotes, stock for the moment. Um, so it plays uh, four of each of its combo creatures, Thassa's Oracle and Inverter of Truth. Uh, Thassa's Oracle is a double blue pip, uh, one, three, and it says when it enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library where X is your devotion to blue, put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in any random order. If X is greater than the number of cards in your library, you win the game. So this has been seeing play in like Ad Nauseam in Modern and um, other combo decks in like Legacy and in Pioneer on a few places. And so the way it works is if you play Thassa's Oracle and you have two or less cards in your deck when you resolve her and she doesn't die before the trigger resolves, you win. Simple as that. So how do you get yourself to have two or less cards in your deck well you play this other garbage mythic from oath of the gate watch called inverter of truth which is a two black black six six flyer with devoid wait wait garbage it's a four mana six six flyer it's a desecration demon it's like a lot of these they made a lot of these four mana six six flyers with a drawback now in this case, the card never really saw play because the drawback is quite big. The drawback is when it ETBs, exile all cards from your library face down, and then shuffle all cards from your graveyard into your deck. It becomes your deck. So uh, if you don't have a way to like combo off with this, it's kind of a liability because you're probably going to deck yourself. Well, in this case, you are actually actively trying to have a very small deck so that you can win a Thassa's Oracle. Well, how do you get a small deck so that you can win with a combo? Well, you play Dig Through Time everyone's favorite card with delve so the general play pattern is that you'll um, play for a few turns and you'll interact with your opponent with cheap um, interaction like uh, fatal push and thought seize um, some cheap blue counter spells you'll dig through time at the end of their turn uh, to shrink yourself down to having almost no deck if any or sorry graveyard so you have like zero cards in graveyard or very few you invert, which makes your graveyard into your deck. And if you do have any cards left over, you can stack it with stuff like Thoughtseize, Fatal Push that you've already cast. You get to basically choose what your deck's going to be. And then the next turn, or the same turn, if you have um, enough mana, six or more mana, you can play the Thassa's Oracle and win on the spot. And this is a really interesting and powerful play pattern because you can do stuff like stack your deck up where you maybe have a Oracle, a Thassa's Oracle in the graveyard, or maybe you want to thought seize before you play your second combo piece so that your opponent can't counter it or kill it in response to the trigger. Well, you just have a deck made up entirely of like thought seizes at that point. You get to thought seize them once or twice and then combo off and win. Um, the other combo piece here is the Planeswalker um, Jace Wilder of Mysteries, which is one blue, blue, blue. Comes in a four loyalty, the one that says, if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. This is also a combo with not having any cards in your deck that Inverter helps um, uh, helps happen. It has a plus one target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard and then draw a card. So uh, just like um, Oracle of Thassa, if you have two or less cards in your deck, you can play the chase, win the game on the spot. And it also has a really backbreaking ult at minus eight, draw seven. Then if your library has no cards, you win the game. So uh, Jace is a, another win con that also just draws cards. So you can stock up your graveyard for a dig through time um, or just win with the plus one if you've already inverted. Um, so it, it's good in combo situations and also just longer games where you can, you know, give yourself food for dig through time to gain card advantage. Um, it also is really awkward in the 
mirror turns out if your opponent tries to invert and you have or play a jace and then mill their yard and now they have no cards then you mill i'm sorry you mill their deck into their yard now they have no cards in deck they lose before they can you know untap and play their their combo piece if they're doing it over two turns so you're like forced to always combo in one turn in the mirror and or try to sweat it out and if they uh if they might have a jace in hand um and so the rest of the deck is basically cheap interaction um discard counter spells and uh search like they through time and stuff like omen of the sea um and then in the sideboard you play uh more specialized interaction you know removal and sweepers for different aggro matchups uh a pile of um mystical disputes for the blue mirrors and uh usually some alternate win cons something like the scarab god for if people try to surgically extract um although that's not legal in this format but like lost legacy or slaughter games your inverter of truths um some more tech that's come out of the pt is some people are running a coax from eternities which is another card you've probably never heard of in the board it's a two in a blue sorcery i believe and it says you can uh pull a colorless card from the exile or from your sideboard and put it in your hand and so you can leave an inverter in your sideboard in the postboard games uh kind of like you do uh with like high tide and legacy and uh the wishes so you're like oh my opponent might surgical extract my high tides i'll leave one on the board so i can wish for it and keep going off even through um the surgical effects it kind of fills a similar purpose um and that has been the way that i think most people have tried to target the deck is with these um extraction effects um because the fact that uh inverter of truth being an etb um if you kill it that's fine. The triggers already happened. Um, and Thassa's Oracle, again, if you have zero cards in your deck when you play it, well, it doesn't matter. The trigger happens as an ETB. So um, you kind of want to either counter them or um, take them out of the deck altogether. And then there's also a hidden plan B with the deck, and that's um, Inverter of Truth is just a 6-6 flyer for four. So if you've got, you know, 20 cards in your yard, you can just play it as a 6-6 and start going to town beating and protecting with your discard and and counter spells and just uh and play kind of a tempo game that way and just force your opponent to kill yeah, your big it only guy. takes four hits to kill yeah so. it kills really fast uh and late enough in the game you might even have multiple in hands so you can just play them one after another you can also start doing interesting things where you actually start juggling your um your your graveyard back into your deck so you play an inverter you play a few turns oh you know your deck's getting really small again but you've built up a new graveyard casting all those cards that you had in your hand and drew off the top of your tiny deck you got a bigger graveyard than deck you can play another inverter turn the graveyard back into your deck again and get some more turns out of it so you can actually um you can actually um play for quite a while after inverting if that's your plan instead of comboing is just kind of a six six flying beatdown plan uh, so deck is a little bit flexible on how it kills. Uh, it's got great uh, efficient interaction, and um, it's got some decent sideboard options like um, Mystical Dispute in a format that's pretty blue right now. I think most of the best decks are playing blue somewhere in their 75, uh, and uh, being able to you know play a pile of uh, one-mana answers is pretty powerful. So now I've kind of given you some background of the deck. Like I said, it was the most played deck in Nogoya and the second most played deck in Brussels, uh, surpassed only by Mono Black Devotion. And we're going to get into, I guess, uh, you want to talk about Brussels a little bit? Or I guess that's the one that kind of most people watched because it was broadcast in English first. Uh, they did do a uh, an English rebroadcast of uh, of Nogoya later on, but uh, I think Brussels was the one most people were watching. 
Um, let's see here. Let's see if I can find the PT breakdown for Brussels. Uh, so we had, we can do a breakdown here. Most played deck, 13.74% uh, of the format was mono black aggro. Inverter followed it up at 12.47%. Uh, Azorius control at 9.5%. And then uh, the five color Niv Mizzet deck a little lower than that at 9.16%. Uh, Azorius spirits at about 6%. Is it in soul? Again, high 5%. And it kind of drops off from there into less common decks like mono white devotion, Simic ramp, and Lotus breach, and uh, mono red aggro decks. Um, so out of these top decks, um, the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth most popular decks all playing blue, along with many of the other decks down lower. So uh, good to be playing Mystical Dispute in this format. Um, as far as success, win rates, we scrub a little bit. We've got a, a matchup chart here. Um, they did pretty well. Uh, the Inverter deck... Uh, let me see if I can find it. Posted uh, favorable matchups against Azorius Control, Azorius Spirits, Is It in Soul, Mono Black Aggro, Niv to Light, and uh, Simic Ramp, but struggled against uh, the Lotus Breach deck, the Mono Red Aggro deck, and the Mono White Devotion deck. Um, and the results are a little bit different actually at Nagoya, but um, this is for Brussels, which was the, the one that started sooner. It was a three day event. Um, with the uh, top eight on the third day. The Nagoya event was actually a little bit smaller, and uh, they did it in two days with the top eight at the end of day two. So, anyways, uh, Chris, do you have any, any thoughts or questions about it while I take a drink? <laughs> well, the blue black inverter was definitely like the breakout deck of the tournament, right? It was like, yeah, the deck that was super popular that was very new to the scene but i think as a result its overall win rate suffered because yeah, so many people were playing it um like if we if we look at the day one day one percentages of the pt in brussels yeah it was sitting right around 53 percent, which is good right mm -hmm. but that's like there's like eight decks above that yeah it's win percentage was definitely not crazy it was positive but not not crazy but it was you know the second most played deck in the event um so that does you know have an effect on being targeted and um and results in some cases obviously everyone can't do great all simultaneously so <laughs> if you've got a yeah, big so portion of people playing the same deck i can you know pull down the win percentage a little bit in some cases What's kind of surprising here is the, the win rate of this Sultai Delirium deck. Yeah, at uh, 1.57%. I think it's like, what, two people playing the deck? Yeah, like, really anyone playing the deck, and the win rate is insane. Yeah. Um, so maybe a bit of an outlier there, but just because not enough people were playing it. What I think is also equally insane is uh, in Nagoya, Mono by Devotion had an insane win rate. Yeah, 63.1%. 63%. This is also, I think, just like two people <laughs> playing this deck. So, uh, yeah, these uh, these kind of niche decks that I mean, only a couple people uh, played really kind of carved through both tournaments. But Blue Black Inverter in Nagoya really showing power. Like, it was like the most played deck, 
and was almost the best performing deck mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Which is kind of insane, right? Yeah, nineteen over nineteen percent of the meta with the next most popular decks being, you know, at um eleven and ten and a half percent is it's big. Like that's a big portion of the tournament on this deck. Um and I don't you know, I know that the the Japanese tournament scene is been known to favor these kind of like combo-y strange decks so i wonder if you know part of it was favor like people like this type of deck or if it was you know um a little bit more time to prep and get the deck ready since the tournament i think did start a day later i want to say i think it was i think they had a little bit more time um before i know i know for a fact that deck submission happened after brussels was known and i i i saw a pro i think it was yuta takahashi talking about that was basically like, oh yeah, like we got to see what everyone submitted for Brussels before we submitted. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. crazy, right? Like you can yeah, see like, yeah. oh, this is like this breakout deck is really popular at the other tournament. Maybe I should play that deck too. So I'm sure there was, you know, having that that advantage in, in deck selection. Is, but that's still even crazier, right? Like if everyone just swapped over last minute and they still performed really well. Yeah, definitely. So I think that has a lot to do with the power of Thoughtseize, uh, right? Because yeah. Pioneer really struggles with cheap, good interaction. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no Lightning Bolt, there's no Path to Exile. Uh, Fiddle Push is much less reliable without all the fetch lands and everything for Revolt. Mm-hmm. But Thoughtseize... Yeah. Thoughtseize is always there for it. Card is great. Except for against, you know, really aggressive decks, which are a big portion of the format for... Strange reasons, considering what we just talked about. Hmm. <laughs> at the same time, though, if you look at all the other decks that aren't blue-white inverter, Uro is showing up everywhere. Yeah, that's true. And so this this random explore game three life is pretty good against all these stupid little red decks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like insane, but it's pretty good. It it definitely is, you know, a bit of a. a speed bump there it's just a really good play on a turn where you don't have like i was watching a little bit of the coverage today while i ate lunch i was watching um joel uh larson joel i think it's joel larson uh play in like the top eight of brussels and he was playing against um spirits and he just had like turns where like you know he wasn't really sure what to do or like he had a lot of options and was like well just play this uro and like put another land down draw a card gain three life like it just does everything it like bridges you really well into other stuff and so like you can just like you can like fill uro into gaps in your curve almost if that makes sense you're like well i want to like kill this thing but what do i do with the rest of my mana oh, i'll just do this uro and then like later oh he's back and like now he's attacking and like getting me even more life and cards and just like it puts them the game away like it puts it way out of reach for these aggressive decks you know like once he starts getting in like uh, casting on the first time like bridges you into the like mid game and then once you're into the mid late game like just having an row is like really hard for them to beat he's a six six um yeah, you get him through life every time he attacks draws cards like it just yeah it just like compounds a lot of very relevant resources um and it's kind of hard to kill you know like it, it's fatal push doesn't get it right off the bat now, you have to have a you know a a revolt enabler, which isn't always the easiest to come by in this format since there's no fetches other than Fable Passage. Um, and, you know, 6-6 six, six is really hefty for the red decks to deal with. It's pretty hard to just kill it with burn. 
Um, and then like a lot of the black removal, it's like you, I found from playing this inverter deck and you want to play some black removal. It's like, what, what do you play? It's really hard to find good black removal that like actually covers all your bases. Like, you know, it, you can, you can find ones that are okay, but then like, you know, it's like you can, you know, miss something like an Uro. Like it's legendary, right? So it doesn't die to cast down. Yeah. You can't cast down. You can't, can't ultimate price it either. Yeah. You can't ultimate price it. Uh, and, uh, a lot of people are playing like edicts, like Liliana's triumph or, um, devour flesh type stuff in the, in the inverter decks. Um, just cause like, uh, people were worried about the, um, the flare decks, you know, cause they have hex proof and against like the five color niv decks and some of the other decks that play self and carry added, it's a way to get carry added off the board. Devour flesh is also like a backdoor way to gain life against aggro. You can devour flesh yourself, gain six off of your inverter, but it's not the best against Uro. If there's something else on the board, they just you know sack their random dude, and you get to keep your Uro and keep you know putting the game out of reach. So, um, I mean, even if you can remove the Uro, it just comes back. Can just escape again. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the the removal in the format is not very well suited to you know taking an Uro off the battlefield is what it comes down to. Um, you know, stuff like um, you, you're really looking at the more expensive spells, like uh, you're looking at Murderous Writer, uh, Hero's Downfall, Vraska's Contempt, and, and those colors. And uh, it doesn't get fried <laughs> out of red. So red red just really struggles to kill this card. I'm trying to think of what your best red option to kill an Uro is. I Yeah. <laughs> yeah it I shrugs know. off Glorybringer. Like yeah, the card's just really hard to deal with. I mean, I guess you need to have you need to have like that legendary guy who like inflames everything. Yeah, I mean that's your best way to really get rid of Uro. So, so yeah, the card's just really powerful, like you were saying. Yeah, seems strong. Has not really been making any waves in modern so far as I can tell, but it's shown up here and there in small numbers. But yeah, yeah, seems like a. Kind of a house. It's a, it's a little slow to get the incremental value off the first iteration in 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 modern. Modern's not really a format where you can afford to like evoke at three mana, you know. Yeah. You need to get onto the Pioneer battlefield. Slower of a format. Yeah. Pioneer though, slower, less less powerful interaction, less suited to dealing with a card like this. So yeah, Uro really, uh really, really good and ties the room together on this Delirium deck. Um so this mono white devotion deck, I kind of wanted to um, talk about for a second because it's it's just it's so sweet um, and it's just kind of a random deck. I feel like um, let me see if I can can find it here on the the list of decks to talk about it real quick. Um, mono white, mono white devotion. I'm sorry, not the mono white devotion deck. The SRAM Auras deck. I'm sorry, I got uh, that's the one I want to talk about. The one that was uh, doing very well at Nagoya. Um, can't find it, of course. Hmm. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, Ken Yukihiro's deck. This deck was really interesting. It plays like kind of like somewhere between Boggles and uh, Enchantress. So you're basically playing some cheap dudes, and then you're slapping Ethereal Armor, Cartouches, Griff Spoons, uh, all that glitters on them. Just kind of like a Boggles deck. But you're not actually playing um, Boggles. Um, you play uh, stuff like Favorite Hoplite, 
um, and uh, Hateful Eidolon, and um, I'll go over some of these cards. People don't know what they are. So the, your protection spell is Alzaid of Life's Bounty, which is a one mana, one, one with lifelink, and it has one mana, sack it, target creature or enchantment you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. So it's kind of like a one-shot um, Mother of Runes effect. <laughs> But it uh, it's a, a you know creature worth suiting up, and it also increases your enchantment account for stuff like ethereal armor and all the glitters. And then um, you're getting card advantage with uh, hateful Eidolon, which is a black one two life linking enchantment creature, just like the uh, the Alzaid gets an extra toughness. Uh, and so whenever an enchanted creature dies, draw a card for each aura you control that was attached to it. Um, so it's kind of a safe creature to kind of go in on um, compared to some of your other ones just because uh, you get refunded at least partially on on your aura account um, should it die. Um, so it's kind of a nice creature to suit up. You know, your opponent uh, fatal pushes in response to a uh, an aura. Well, you get all the other auras back at least. So that's pretty good. And then the other uh, engine in the deck is a uh, Saram Senior Artificer. You've probably seen this in modern, doing weird stuff with the uh, zero mana equipment decks, and then like grape shotting people after starving off. Uh, in this deck, it just uh, is it. It's a bear that whenever you cast an aura, equipment, or vehicle, you draw a card. So every enchantment, which is um, well, I guess an aura, not no, all enchantments, every aura, which you have nineteen of, uh, I believe. Um, yeah, you have 19 of them. So uh, every single one of those uh, will redraw you a card, which is pretty powerful. Let's you kind of churn through your deck, suit up a big guy. Um, this card was a lightning rod. It almost never stays on the battlefield. It dies on sight. It's uh, super important to answer this card because it gets out of hand really quick. Uh, and then their last creature is uh, Ephemia, the Cacophony. It's a one and a black, two one flyer. This is the beginning of your instep. You may exile an enchantment from your graveyard. If you do, you get a two two black zombie token. Uh, so this lets you uh, leverage your graveyard a little bit, um, turn you know uh, leftover enchantments that uh, you know died or recounted or whatever uh, into uh, some creatures to beat in with, and more bodies for your enchantments so you don't run out of targets for uh, your auras, which is pretty cool. And then post board, it gets to do stuff like um, play. It, I think it, 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 you know, we don't see numbers here because of the PT. They just show what cards and how many. But there must have been a, quite a few brain maggots in the sideboard because it was drawn early and often in the, in the sideboard games that I saw. Uh, but yeah, you get to play stuff like thought seize and brain maggot to just shred hands um, post board. Uh, and it also plays Gideon of the Trials, which is a very powerful card against these inverter decks because the emblem says you can't lose the game as long as you have a Gideon. And um, it is actually quite difficult for these blue-black decks to get a Gideon of the Trials off the battlefield because they usually only play one or two cards in the 75 that specifically kill Planeswalkers like Hero's Downfall or Noxious Grasp. But... Um, yeah, and the Gideon can just plus targeting the inverter, so the inverter can't kill it. Yeah, either. and the inverter is really your only way you have to usually beat in to try to kill the Gideon with combat damage. Um, so Gideon is a really compact answer to these uh, these uh, inverter decks. Um, also, uh, Apostle of the Purifying Light showing up in a lot of white card sideboards this weekend. This card is uh, quite difficult um, to kill uh for these inverter decks it's one in a white two one pro black which means it dodges almost all removal in these inverter decks and it has two mana exile target card from a graveyard um so you can really trim down on graveyards to keep dick from time from ever being cast or at least being cast on time and then it puts you in an awkward spot um when you're trying to combo off with the inverter deck uh, because they can just eat all the cards out of your 
graveyard when you try to invert and then you won't have a deck and you'll die the next turn. <laughs> so again, it's forcing them into that one turn combo territory, which is much more mana intensive, having to have just six mana right there, plus any extra if you want to, you know, do interacting. So also you get to play Deadweight, which is an aura. Yeah. <laughs> Deadweight is sweet. I wonder, uh, isn't there that uh, that Mogus card um that's got escape? It's also kind of like a deadweight. I'm surprised they're not playing that one. Doesn't it? Uh, I guess it's. Uh, I think it's like. I think it's like plus oh, two right. minus one instead of minus two minus two. Yeah, though. it's it's more similar to a dark blast. Yeah, or... yeah. So, oh well, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. I guess that probably the minus two minus two is more relevant on deadweight. Um, yeah, that's kind of a cool one. Um, but yeah, so we had this uh, this sweet uh, Saram deck, which did quite well. But yeah, Mono White Devotion was the deck that really stood out at uh, Nagoya with a 63% win rate. Um, this is uh, the, the other combo that um, really kind of took over the format. And um, people knew about this one. Yeah, so as soon as um, Hilliard was spoiled, people were talking about, oh, it's a Pioneer combo with uh, Walking Ballista. Which it is, because um, Hyot says whenever you gain life, you put a 1-1 counter on target creature or enchantment you control. Which Walking Ballistos conveniently removes to deal damage. But uh, Hyot for 2 mana can give another target creature lifelink on a turn. So you give your 2-2 Ballista lifelink, you ping something for 1, you gain a life, triggers a Hyot, puts a 1-1 counter back on your Ballista, rinse and repeat as you wish to pew 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 your way all the way home. Two card, infinite combo, wham bam, thank you, ma'am. But uh, the one thing about the combo is it is a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want, if you had a Heliod in play already and you wanted to play your Blister and kill them in the same turn, you would need six mana. Yeah, quite mana intensive. Which, you know, isn't so bad in your Nykthos deck sometimes, but um, yeah, it's it's not free by any means. This deck does play a, a really good just beat down plan too. Like with just you know, play play creatures, pressure the board, get value. Um I like seeing Knight of the White Orchid in these uh these decks. Um, you know, a big complaint people have about Pioneer is that when you are on the draw, you're so far behind being on the play. You're really disadvantaged being on the draw in Pioneer, right? Because the the mana elves and just the you know this format is fairly quick and you don't have like efficient ways to play from behind because you know everything's just kind of clunky uh knight of the white orchid is a really good way to kind of catch back up right um it rewards you for um having less lands um you get to go uh get out planes and put it into play kind of like take back the uh the draw from your or the play from your opponent um just nifty right um yeah but i think it's interesting also this this list i'm looking at here is main decking four thoughtsies are you looking at the one that's splashing black? Yeah. I don't have one of those pulled up, but uh it's only black card in the main deck, just four thoughtsies, you know. And what's interesting is they're playing three Elspeth Conquers Death. Ooh, yeah. It's a it's a saga. So first first uh, go around is Exile Tracker Permanent Opponent Controls CMC three or less, or sorry, three or greater. Uh Second stage is non-creature spells your opponent's cost cast cost two more until your next turn. 
And then the third is return a creature or planeswalker from your graveyard to the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter or a loyalty counter on it. Works really well with both, uh, not both, but works really good with Ballista. Yeah, and it can actually bring back Heliod as well. Oh, because yeah, it is it's a creature. A creature. Yeah. But, you know, in case your Heliod somehow managed to die, <laughs> countered or something. Yeah, brings back Ballista, pay for mana, put another counter on it. Play two more, make give it a lifelink combo. I just like uh, this deck plays Arcanist Owl, a card I've literally never seen before until it was played in this deck. I think did we talk about this uh, on a previous cast. I want to say, yeah, the last episode I think we talked about the, the triple Azor or the quadruple the Azorius. Quad Azorius, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a cool four card. Four pips, yeah, four pips, baby. Yeah, this deck is really good at maxing its pips out. I feel like um, the only cards in the creature slots that don't max out on pips are Ballista and Heliod in a lot of these lists. Uh, and then your planeswalkers don't max out on pips, but they're so good you just have to play them. And then um, stasis snare showing up, and I think most of these lists is a four of just because it's uh, it's removal that puts two pips on the board. It's like uh, it's like a pioneer oubliette. <laughs> One thing is this deck can turn for you, mm-hmm. thanks to Anafenza Kintree Spirit. So you go turn one Thoughtseize, you turn two Anafenza, turn three Heliod, turn four. 1-1 one, one Ballista. Mm-hmm. Bolsters. And because it's a 1-1, one, one, it bolsters, gets another counter, activate your Heliod, pew, 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 pew. Nice. Which is about as fast as you can get in, with a combo deck in this format, right? Yeah, yeah. Turn turn 4 is very fast. The earliest that the Inverter deck can go off is turn 5. With protection, though, which is nice. Yeah, I think this is even faster than like the um stupid possibility storm deck maybe i don't remember how fast that deck is that deck has disappeared by the way no one is playing that deck anymore <laughs> yeah it's vanished yeah straight to the shadow realm um but yeah so um looking at other decks that did well let's see here um we let's look at brussels i guess uh, well, one thing I want to point out is uh, Niftalite really underperformed. I think it really did. It's uh, it has a terrible matchup against Inverter. Um, is I think part of the problem. Um, yeah, I mean, like, leading up to this weekend, uh, Niftalite was looking like one of the top decks of the format, right? Based on mm-hmm. like challenge results and this kind of thing, like it, it looked like it was doing pretty well for itself. And yeah, this weekend it just kind of got dumpstered. Yeah, just. Yeah, really struggling against it. Let's see here. I wanted to compare results for throughout the the, the two PTs. Um, Niptalite performed worse than Soulflare, worse than Blue White, worse than Golgari Stompy. Let's see here. Where's the Inverter deck? Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Thirty three percent win rate, and uh, against. Uh, against inverter at uh nagoya and then in brussels it was uh let's see here yeah similar numbers low yeah 28.6 percent win rate just really really pathetic (laughs) um they're just not interacting with the inverter deck in a meaningful way 
It's kind of unfortunate, right? You build this deck and it gets just absolutely ranched by yeah. the new hot thing. They're doing stuff like playing uh, main deck slaughter games now, <laughs> which can uh, really uh, steal a, uh, a game one off of the inverter deck before they have alternate win cons. I actually played against uh, on like I think the twenty second or the twenty third before the before the inverter deck was like a known quantity. I played against um, a Niv deck that had main deck slaughter games. Like none of the lists were playing it at that point. I looked at some lists online and like none of them none of them were playing a main deck. They're playing them in the board. This person was like, "Fuck it, I'm playing a main deck." I got destroyed. <laughs> Game one I was like, "What is what is going on? Is this deck actually good? Is this inverter deck actually good? If it just gets crushed by Niv this hard?" And then like I just didn't see any slaughter games after that. Like no one was playing them. Um, but I'm sure that's gonna change now. I think at the PT people were playing um either Unmored Ego or Slaughter Games um in their Niv decks, but obviously didn't uh didn't really pay off for them, so maybe I don't need to worry so much because these yeah, I mean, they're usually are only playing the one, so yeah. Well you have Bring the Light uh and Niv to find him, but yeah. That's true. But a little slow. They need to resolve those cards. Yeah, exactly. Hard uh hard to resolve cards against counter spells and thought seize. Um but uh, let's see here. We've got some other interesting data. So let's see. We've got our overall win rate combined for both tournaments and the most winningest deck, to say it, kind of weird way to say it, but uh, was um, Sultan Delirium uh, with a 69.44% win rate. Nice. followed by that sram auras deck we were talking about there's a reason we talked about it it's in second place with 60.71 percent win rate bant spirits of 60.33 that heliod company deck a little bit different than the mono white and um white black ones but uh versions of the deck splashing basically just for collected company uh 58 win rate and then finally demir inverter at 56.76 percent um niv to light all the way down at 43 point five nine percent and um yeah it's interesting to see which decks ended up on the positive and negative side of this equation right uh, i'll do a quick rundown i guess on on decks that were 50 above 50 or below 50 we've got um mono red aggro mono black vampires mono white devotion the lotus breach deck simic delirium is it in soul simic ramp all above 50 percent right in the middle at 50 percent exactly azorius spirit azorius spirits and then below that, Mono Black Aggro, which was most played deck in Brussels, and um, I think second most played in Nagoya, pretty high up on the on the list of played decks in Nagoya, right? Um, yeah. I think Mono Black was probably like the deck everyone was gunning for. I think it was deck to beat up until this Inverter deck came out, and then you know people thought that Mono Black was favored at first against Inverter, so you know I'm sure that kind of uh, encouraged you know I'm sure some people to stay on the deck instead of jumping at the last second uh 49.59% and then moving down from there soul flare azorius control with only 46.56% win rate big red chunky red uh golgari stompy niv to light is it phoenix mono green ramp mono white life gain and then demir control not playing the combo at a 25% win rate oof brutal um couple couple brave souls played that one i'm not sure why they thought it was worth it to not play the hot new combo maybe they thought it was a flash in the pan or just couldn't get the cards but did not succeed very well at all unfortunately and that was uh decks i believe that were at least uh one percent of the meta i want to say yeah at least one percent of the game so i think there are probably some 
even less common decks that did uh, better or worse, but they're not listed here because their sample size is kind of not relevant. But um, yeah, so coming out of all this, I think Pioneer is in an interesting place. Um, overall win rates for the format. Um, I wish I could pull it up. There was a, um, a breakdown I saw somewhere that had a list of like how the decks had performed overall, just across um, these events, the GPs, which only posted, um, I think like top 16 results, unfortunately, or top eight results in some cases. Um, interestingly enough, uh, GP Nagoya, no inverter. It was, is it prowess and is it in soul just filling up the top eight tons of red decks um six red decks a mono black deck and a, a heliod company deck um, and i'm not exactly sure what the timing was on these gps versus the pro tours yeah i think they were simultaneously run but obviously you can just show up for the gp the morning of so they had more time to pick their decks um right but i wonder if like i guess there's not that many gps yeah uh, inverter did win gp brussels though first place and then um uh, kind of a smattering of other decks in the top eight mono red mono red again just written differently uh two azoria spirits deck niv delight another mono red deck and a mono green ramp deck so the uh the gps were really um red heavy in terms of uh winners meta game a lot of people did well playing these red decks um so that's interesting to see. Um, I was hoping to pull up that list. I had a hard time finding it earlier, and I'm not going to find it now while we're recording, unfortunately. But it was kind of just like an overall state of Pioneer win rate-wise. And doing a quick peek, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it again. Um, but the breakdown of the format is interesting. Um, Inverter didn't really take over in terms of like win rates and stuff. Um, you know, it did do well, but it didn't do oppressively well. Um, there are other decks that did better, and we're still playing in large numbers, like Bant Spirits and the Hilliard Company deck. And uh, the distribution of types of decks was pretty good, too. We've got aggro decks, we've got um, combo decks, and then um, control. I guess the inverter deck is also kind of a control deck, um, but um, better than... I guess it was before. It was really aggro heavy before, I feel like. Um the format was like mono black and then like mono red and the is it and soul deck were really, really popular, powerful decks. And so we've got some more combo y decks now, which is interesting. Um and I mean I guess I guess we did it, guys. You know, we did it, Watsi. We finally killed big mana. Yeah. Yeah, the, that is true. The uh the ramp decks are conspicuously absent here. Um Simic Ramp. 50.63% overall win rate. Not terrible, but nothing to really write home about. And really not showing up at the top of any of these lists either. Just kind of there. Some people showed up probably, and played it. Probably just one off the back of Uro. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, powerful. I think they're playing kind of like uh, are they are they still are they playing Uro in the newer list? I know they're just kind of trying to play like um um uh hour of promise type, you know, ramp into Eldrazi. Um type game plan with um elvish no, they're, reclaimer they're definitely playing for a row. yeah would make sense 
getting to play extra lands is pretty powerful um, for these type of decks. So, um, yeah, maybe the maybe our Richie Boy or Barrio Grazer will see some more play. And, you know, the Wacka Control is, I guess, not too surprising because, again, we did have, like, a very big shakeup to the meta right at the last minute, right, with these Inverter decks. Um, stable metas are always easier for Control to attack. Um, again, Gideon of the Trials, really powerful against Inverter. Um, uh, so that's uh, going to you know be a really easy answer for them. Um, the Heliod Company decks, though, I wonder um, how Blue-White fares against those. Um, let's see if our um, our breakdowns have any have any info on that. Mono-White against Azorius Control. Oh, no. That is a 20% win rate. That is not very good. <laughs> yes, so um, Mono-White, 50% of this of the tournament. Really low sample numbers, though. There's only four matches at... Uh, at uh, Nagoya and in Brussels it was uh 10 so pretty low numbers I just don't think very many people showed up playing blue white control I think they probably I think um inverter probably poached a lot of people off of uh blue white would be my guess um you know people who were looking to play control and pioneer um probably saw a deck that could play control but also had a combo and were um lured away would be my guess um but it is interesting to see that the deck is um favorable against um uh mono white uh it's close against inverter when both people kind of know what's up but the decks haven't really iterated yet so it'll be interesting to see once blue white kind of is more tailored to beating inverter i think they'll be a little bit ahead and maybe 55 45 um maybe better if they find some hot tech but uh yeah um so i think the meta is in a pretty good spot I'm glad that Inverter wasn't a busted deck. I really enjoy playing uh, Inverter. It's a really fun deck. Um, it's uh, really interactive. It's powerful. Uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, it's a very, very decision-dense deck. You know, what cards you're thought seizing. Uh, you're scrying and cantripping a lot with Opt and uh, or, uh, or uh, Omen of the Sea. So um, you have just many, many choices every turn. When you pull the trigger on Inverter is a really big decision. Um, when you play uh, Oracle of Thassa out to not combo is a really hard decision. You know, it's good against aggro as a blocker uh, and it just digs into your deck. Um, you know, getting to Scry 2 effectively is, um, you know, very good sometimes when you're just trying to like hit land drops or, um, you know, um, just play the game and continue interacting. You know, sometimes you get cards in your hand you're, you know, not able to use. It's better to use your mana and advance the game in a meaningful way. So uh, just fun deck to play, lots of decisions. So I'm glad that it didn't end up being, like, completely busted and dominant. Uh, and um, I'm curious to see how things go in Phoenix this weekend. Um, we're going to be putting out a video next week. And I think I would like to actually do a, a, a league with Inverter. Um, so um, I will be recording it after the uh, PT happens this weekend. So I'll be able to talk a little bit about the results um, if there's anything super interesting. So head on over to YouTube um, next week and make sure on Friday to check out the video if you want to see some of this deck we've been talking about in action. Uh, and also to hear about how the PT went, um, hear uh, at least my opinions and maybe Chris's as well if he's able to to join me. Think you'll be free? Perhaps. Perhaps. 
Did she want to just get some people? You know, speaking of sweet, sweet piles, there's, there is one Lotus Breach deck. There's one. There's one list running around that's not playing, um, the Merfolk, Thassa's Oracle. Mm -hmm. Not playing it. Why would you do that? Yeah, why would you win with Thassa's Oracle when you can instead expansion explosion their face? (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It's the just blast them blast them so yeah this list playing four fey of wishes zero of the oracle Uh, there is one jace in the sideboard in case you want to do the mill boring mill yourself win the game plan but yeah make a ton of mana explode on their face oh man Amazing. Which list is this? Um, in Nagoya, uh, Pascal Viren. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a known player. <laughs> yeah. Also, some of these, um, a lot of these breach, Lotus Breach decks starting to play some number of Fae of Wishes and some spicy meatballs in the sideboard. Like the one right above it, um, Nicholas Arabic. Um, his board consists of a Nivmizit Prawn, a Bolus's Citadel for his spicy targets. I've seen some other lists running around that are playing an Omniscience and an Enter the Infinite. Excellent. And if you think about it, I have yet to play um, this deck, but if you just play a Vizier of Tumbling Sands and untap with it, your Lotus Field just makes six mana. Yeah, like it, 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 just, it just makes six mana. So that's ignoring like your um, hidden strings, untapped shenanigans. So you can like ramp a whole bunch with you know Vizier's and garbage, and just fave wishes out something big and dumb. Yeah, like this guy is playing an Ugin the Spirit Dragon, Thought Distortion, Chandra Awakened Inferno, you know the Jace Lost Legacy. And then some other like goodies in the board, like uh, he's even got a um, underworld breach in his board, so you can wish for it. You know, even Tome Scour on the board. I don't know. That's hey man, Tome Scour is sweet. That card is really good against uh, Inverter too. <laughs> Surprisingly, like oh, you flipped your your deck over. Well, Tome Scour you. Oh, no cards left, huh? Too bad. Yeah, you can even just do it a whole bunch of times before they invert. You want to invert, eh? With like eh, a 15-card eh. library? Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Tome Scour. Man. Oh, man. I imagine you could just Tome Scour them over and over with your Udderable Breach, right? Yeah. Just like mill them to death. That, Why not? That is a thing that you could do. And expansion explosion. <sighs> yeah, I played against um, one of these versions. I'm not. I'm not sure if it was the expansion explosion version, but um, played against it last night with the inverter deck. And <laughs> pour over the pages is like a pain in the ass. 
to play against. It's like, oh, it's like ramp and card draw with your stupid Lotus Fields. Like it draws three, untaps two lands, and discards. It's like, yeah, with two Lotus Fields, it's it's a ritual. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's really gross. I had a situation where I like you know was thought seizing him, and I was like, oh, I can't take this part of the pages like. I need to like interact with the stuff they're doing earlier in the game, and then like eventually they just got to pour over the pages, and it was absurd. Like, yeah, it, it's like uh, paradigmatic ritual stapled to um, thirst for knowledge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh my god, like this card, it's so bad, but in this deck, it's like pretty solid. So, oh man, yeah, yeah. So spoiler alert the uh the deck i bought cards for is indeed a underworld reach deck nice very nice so i'm planning to be pouring over some pages here pretty soon i guess we should go over the um the pt winners since i don't think we actually talked about the winner or the the top eights right i think we were uh holding off on on going over that did you want to go over the uh the top eights real quick um sure let's see here i guess we'll do brussels so i kind of glazed over it a little bit but um canister picked this deck up and like streamed with it for like a week or so and like he ended up posting his whole list in sideboard plans so anyone with with his uh subscribe to him on twitch could see it just like publicly like a lot of people were playing his list because he like publicly shared it basically like if you have an amazon prime twitch subscription you're good to go you know um he got second which is crazy for like just like working completely out in the open you know no hidden information basically um but brussels was won by yol larson with his sweet sultai delirium deck we talked about Canister uh, got second with the inverter deck. Uh, Paulo Peter Domino Rosa got third with uh, third slash fourth with the uh, Niv Delight deck. So you know there was a there's a, a little bit of success for the deck, even though it did quite poorly overall. He was really able to to wield it effectively, taking him to um, a top four seat. Uh, uh, Brent Voss uh, also in third fourth with uh, Lotus Breach. And then for fifth or eighth, we have. Um, Bant Spirits, Mono Red Aggro, Mono Black Aggro, and another Bant Spirits deck. Only one Inverter deck cracking the top eight of Brussels. Um, the uh, Mono Red deck played by uh, Juan Jose uh, Rodriguez Lopez. Um, I'm hoping it's like listed. It's like listing it backwards. Hopefully, I got that in the right order. Um, was like undefeated, I think, until the end of day two in Pine. He was crushing people with this uh, Mono Red kind of like prowessy deck um just slapping people mono red is powerful you know i was kind of dumping on the deck the other day i was like why would you play this deck over um mono black mono black just has way better interaction um and it does but um torbane really pumps damage out. like your top end in the mono red deck your four drops are really good uh mono black's four drop is like that dumb flying demon it's not that good uh, their top end, they don't they don't have a very good top end, but what they do have is, is interaction and recursion. Red doesn't really have recursion or good interaction, but they do put their pedal on the gas really fast. They do 
tons of damage. Tons of damage. They cap they cap it off really effectively too. Like their their late game plays on like turn four, being the late game against Mono Red, uh, are really good. You know, you've got Hazareth the Fervent, you've got Chandra Torch Defiance, you've got Torbane. Um, they're just really powerful cards. Um, they're really scary to see on four. Um and uh he really, you know, uh, leveraged this deck really well. I watched some of his matches and he was just rushing people. So um Mono Red definitely is in a good place in the format. Um it is uh effective against a lot of these decks. Um, you know, just quickly uh killing the opponent and dealing with these uh you know, these Bant Spirit decks and the opposing mono black decks with um you know, they can actually interact effectively with their wild slashes against these decks. Um and then if they can get to get a Torbane in play or a Shanta Torch Defiance, they can deal with some, you know, slightly bigger creatures as well. Um, so, but yeah, um, a pretty good mix in this tournament. Um, you know, you have a double up on Bant Spirits, but other than that, it's all unique decks in the top eight at Brussels, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then over at uh, GP Nagoya, we've got, uh, not GP Nagoya, I'm sorry, where is it at? I've hidden it. Uh, PT Nagoya. First place was... Uh, Bant Spirits. Yeah, Bant Spirits, man. It's at first place. This deck was the enemy as far as I was concerned the whole time. I hate playing against this deck. <laughs> but uh, Kenta Rane, uh, was uh, he was in the uh, the feature match area most of like day two, I feel like. I just saw him constantly either on camera or in the background. Uh, played really well. Was rewarded. Got first place. Um, second place... Ken Yukihiro with uh, the sweet uh, SRAM deck we were talking about. Took it all the way to second place. Uh, I think he just kind of pulled it out of his pocket. No one else really knew about it. I think he it was him and one other person playing his exact list. I don't know if it was his testing partner or someone he shared the list with, but um, that's pretty cool that him... The second place in, in Nagoya and the first place in, um, in Brussels were basically like, you know, one-offs. I think Yol had another person that, again, was playing his exact same list that he probably worked with or shared with. Um, Salt of Delirium was a bit more of a known deck, but I think it is really cool that that um, bespoke, so to speak, decks uh, made their way to the you know the the finals of both these tournaments. Um, so I think it shows that Pioneer is in a really good space. However, the rest of this top eight in Nagoya is very heavy on Demir Inverter. Uh, Third through most of fifth eighth is is Demir Inverter. There's uh what five copies? Five, yeah, copies, five copies. Five copies of it. Now I will say one of these. I think I think it's just one of them is really spicy. <laughs> um, I forget who it was. Was it uh, Akira Asahara? I want to say. Let me see if I can pull it up here. I was watching the coverage. Yes, I believe it was Akira. Let's see here trying to find it i'm sorry no it wasn't him give me a moment it's worth it who is it ah yes uh shintaro ishimura um took the inverter deck and the mono blue devotion deck which uh aspiring spike has been champion and playing and kind of making people uh know about and uh, he jammed them together did the uh i have a pen i have an apple apple pen yeah he just crammed them together 
uh he's like you know why play one of these decks when i can play both at the same time they they're both blue uh so yeah he uh he got some nykthoses and some gadwicks and merfolk tricksters and uh, harbinger of the tides and uh leyline of anticipations and yeah. just crammed them together with the inverter deck um only black cards in the 75 are uh, inverter of truth uh, and then in the board, uh, thought seizes and Morty goes. All you need, uh, and I gotta say, I was watching, I was watching him, you know, in the in the feature match area for a lot of day two, and deck was good. It was like this is I I can't even imagine how much better it would have been with closed deck lists because you know his opponents knew, but I can't even imagine if it was closed deck lists how fucking bamboozled they would have been because it looks just like mono blue for like the first four plus turns of the game i guess besides all these black producing lands yeah yeah but like there's not even like i mean there's a decent number i guess but like yeah it's just all the all the other cards are you know cards from mono blue like the game plan is basically the same and then you just get to uh get to combo people sometimes (laughs) imagine just like responding to something with an inverter oracle combo win yeah it's absurd right? <laughs> it's just like it's i'm gonna tap for something uh in response i'm gonna win the game yeah <laughs> just uh <laughs> ridiculous just absolutely ridiculous and you don't have to delve all your shit away as much because you have all this blue devotion laying around for your stupid um oracle yeah exactly they're not even playing deck through time like what why and everyone's been like oh you know uh, blue black inverter it's gonna be the deck that finally gets dig through time banned like man the house deck gonna play without dig through time like it really needs it to empty its its graveyard someone already you know already top four to pt the first week with it not playing dig through time there you go easy peasy i have to pick myself up some lay line of anticipations if they ban dig through time i guess <laughs> by now where they're still cheap um but yeah and then at the bottom we've got uh dimitri Putukov, uh the russian moto grinder extraordinaire playing mono black vampires which is uh it's cool that he went for the vampire flavor uh soren imperious blood lord i want to say is the card's name is a uh, real powerful three mana planeswalker um yeah imperious blood lord uh getting to drop a uh, a champion of dusk into play or a kalidus on uh turn three is pretty good in pioneer oh that reminded me of that uh legacy deck do you tell i forget who linked it someone linked this garbage fire of a legacy deck which once again goes to show you can play a transfer chalice deck and legacy and your win condition can be literally any oh i did see this deck yeah with the sorens <laughs> yeah so this deck 5-0'd a legacy league and it was playing four copies of Curse of Misfortunes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this deck was For those sweet. of you who are unaware of what this card does, oh, it's man. five mana. Yeah, man. Enchant target player. It's a curse, of course. It's a curse. At the beginning of the Enchanted Player's upkeep, I believe. That sounds about right. You search your library for a curse card and attach it to that player. <laughs> so they become cursed with more curses. How unfortunate. What a series of unfortunate, unfortunate events. events. 
So, oh, what other oh, sweet man. curses do you play in your curses uh, deck? Well, uh, oh, there's overwhelming splendor. Yeah, that's a curse. That's a curse for some reason. It's like white. It's a white curse. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight fucking mana, but it doesn't matter because it's they're they've they've just misfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it like it's like their creatures don't have abilities and they're one ones and they can't activate abilities or play spells or some shit. It- <laughs> I don't think it says I, I that, but yeah. It, I don't know. All I know is it makes a lot of creatures vanilla 1-1s. One yeah, it's, um, one it's humility it with, like, a more upside. Yeah, and then you go ahead and curse them with Curse of Death's Hold to give all the creatures minus 1, minus 1. Yeah. <laughs> give them so the old hard luck. can't have creatures, ever. And then there's, like, a curse that... I don't know. There's 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 more fucking curses, and and so the reason why I thought of it because the Soren right. So Soren is three mana, so oh, it's, that's what you need for Chinosphere, right? It's all fair. And this deck's also playing four copies of Chancellor of the Dross. Oh, that's right. You know what Chancellor of the Dross is? It's a vampire. Yeah, for some reason. So Here it's it like if it's your opening hand, you like drain life them for three. Or something? Let's see here. It, uh, yes. It drain lives them. <laughs> if you reveal it from your opener. Yeah, and so you just, like, Soren, minus your Soren, and just it's, shit this, like, big, a, dumb, flying a vampire. Six six flying lifelinker. And you just, like, slap them to death. <laughs> so the last curse is Curse of Fool's Wisdom. Which is, it says, whenever they draw a card, they lose two life, and you gain two life. <laughs> Yeah, because you're also an engineering bridge deck, because why wouldn't you be? Oh, man. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's got a four car in the Great Creators as well. <laughs> Just ticks all the fucking boxes. You got three bridges main deck, so that you can shove your fourth one on the board to fetch up with Karn, so you can play an effective, you know, seven in staring bridges. Oh, man. This deck's sweet. It's been like, yo, know, mox and all this kind of so, shit. So, this is Orem67, and they're an amazing legacy player. And I'm pretty sure that they they play these decks. I think, I think people, like, bet them to play these decks. Because um, I saw someone telling them that they should play it for, like, their 5-0 challenge. Uh, another deck recently, like, today or yesterday. It was also batshit insane. Like, they, like, looking at their match history, they've got just... They recently 5-0'd with Bug Nickfit with a surprisingly normal-looking list of cards, although they do have an Ashiok Nightmare Muse, because why not? It's Nickfit. So, I, I will remind you, the listener, that my heinous pile of Bant Reclamation Nexus of Fate was an Orem list. Oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, this is the most recent deck that they've been playing. It's, uh, it's Modern Polymorph with Silence. You know, that sounds a lot like what I played in standard. Yeah. At the time. Four Farseeks. Four Indomitable Creativity. If you don't know that one, I don't blame you. X Red 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 Sorcery. Destroy X turret artifacts and or creatures. For each permanent destroyed this way, its control reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles that card those players put the exiled cards onto the battlefield and shuffle their libraries. It's a polymorph. It's another polymorph. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What are you? Is that cre- triple red polymorph? Yeah. What are the creatures? There's no... There's no creatures. 
artifact? <laughs> it must be an artifact? There's no art- What are they blowing up? I'm confused. Share list. <laughs> oh man, let me, let me send this your way. <laughs> we're, we're desperately off track, and I should probably share this list to the, the listener, uh, the, the watchers can actually Is see the Uberg? list. Uberg? Yeah. There's two emeralds. What's the what's the what's the confusion? What you? This is for each permanent destroyed this way. What permanents are you destroying with this indomitable creativity, or this polymorph um, for that matter? You, dwarven dwarven mine. mine creatures. Oh my god! Tokens. You're far seeking for dwarven mine. Holy fucking shit! <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow, that's out there. You make you make dwarf tokens that you fetch off of Farseek. And and then you polymorph them into an Emrakul. Six and one, boys. Oh god, this was a challenge. <laughs> Six and one. <laughs> what? What what is this? Yeah, Orum 67, man. Like there the next list down, Slivers, Mono Red Prison, Curse Stompy. Uh then your deck. The Bant deck. Bant snakes. Ah, Belcher. Belcher, Belcher, Mono Red Prison, 12 post. Dredge, Belcher, 12 post, Belcher. Ugh, what a terrible person. I see he's a man of culture as well. Very cultured. Echo of Eons! (laughs) Echo of Eons, Belcher. Yeah, just extremely cultured individual. Yeah, it's it's so yeah. This this deck is hot fire, dude. You um you go down to so your last card is gamble, and you just gamble for Echo Vions, and you activate it. You flash it back using your LED that you've already played. Wow, that's hot, spicy. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh man, wow. He five would the league. Yeah, Belgium. Multiple times, it looks like. Oh, this other one's a challenge. Five and two. Yeah. Yeah. Sideboard Arkham's Astrolabe. <laughs> really? <laughs> so just like a meme? It must just be a meme, right? Like, I mean, he's playing Autumn's Veil instead of Summer's Veil, so yeah. It has to be both. a meme. Four Summer's Veil, four oh, Autumn's Veil. Autumn Veils. Yeah, six Veil. Holy crap. That's... Ice ring feet home. Oh my god. Oh man. Oh, I, I, I ring crag feet. I ring crag feet. Yeah. Wow. You know, seven mana is a perfect amount of mana for a belcher. <laughs> yes, that is true. Ideal, really. Yeah. Wow. What a deck. Which is awkward because if you are wishing for it, you needed to have six mana to wish for it, which is only one less than seven for belcher anyway. So it's actually just paradigm ritual. Yeah, Orum sixty seven, class act, ten out of ten. What's this slivers deck? It's just slivers. I was expecting a twist like that control slivers deck that you played against. Oh, it's just a typical slivers list. Yeah, it's very boring compared to some of the other stuff this person's played. Leeching sliver. Hmm. 
Anyway, frenzy slipper. We are Jesus. desperately off topic frenzy. now. Desperately, desperately off topic. <laughs> um, one thing I I wish um had happened is I really wish that they had given us some some data from the GPS. Um, I'm quite disappointed. Honestly, um, we've got um. Basically, dick. <laughs> Just how Watsy likes it. Yeah, they. I think. Sh- I think they shared top eight from the GPS. That's. That's about it. That's a real bummer. Um. So I guess we can talk real quick about the uh, the SCG. Uh, top eight. Since we got a little bit of time, um, this is the classic, not the team event. Team event had a ton of inverter. Everyone basically had inverter in their pioneer seat. So uh, inverter in, in true SCG fashion, the uh, the deck of the week was uh, very widely represented. I think that's pretty common for these SCG events. I think people chase the trend decks pretty aggressively, um, and they tend to do well there. But in the classic, uh, winner was Niv Delight, 5C Niv Visit. So another notch in Niv's belt after a, quite a disappointing weekend. Uh, Inverter took second, Mono Black Aggro and Mono Red Aggro split third and fourth. And then the fifth rave slots are Azoria Spirits, Azoria Spirits, Sultai Delirium, and Mono Red Aggro. Decent amount of aggro, really. Um, and by decent, I mean six of the decks are aggro decks. <laughs> Uh, and then we have um, a mid-range deck and a combo control deck. So, aggro is still very much alive and well in Pioneer. No need to worry. Um, you know, even though um, the Niv-Mizzet deck and the Demir Inverter deck are uh, super hot uh, hot decks, you know, uh, are kind of like... Niv is kind of the previous deck to beat a lot of people thought was top deck, and Inverter is the new one. Uh, you, they gotta stay alive to do their thing, and uh, aggro is pretty good in this format, um, in several different varieties. And uh, this isn't even uh, we're not even seeing the is it and soul decks showing up. Um, and those decks are pretty good too. Um, just not converting it looks like, but I mean they're definitely something to be aware of in the format. So, so would you say that Pioneer is still fairly open at like a you know local level? Oh yeah, definitely. People haven't really condensed into top decks yet there hasn't been enough time things are still changing um yeah i mean people are still just kind of playing what they want to play i think in most metas i mean obviously in more competitive metas with high card availability um it's gonna start to shape up into a solved meta a little faster but i think i think most local metas are still going to be kind of just whatever people feel like you know whatever caught people's eye because um, I feel like you know one of the draws to Pioneer is kind of like one of the draws to Modern. That's the idea that you can play kind of whatever you want. Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean, and, you know, be reasonably successful. I think both these PTs really kind of showed that. You know, we had uh, the Sultai Delirium deck and the Saram deck both kind of coming out of nowhere, and um, and being in the finals of both events and winning one of them. Um, I mean, to be fair, Sultai was a bit more of a air quotes known deck, but the Saram's deck, uh, the Saram deck, I don't. I had not heard of it before, and everyone seemed very surprised by it. And that's really cool. Uh, played by you know a very good player, obviously, but um, 
yeah, that's nifty. It's also really cheap, even still. That deck is not expensive. Um, I think it was like 80, 90 ticks or something compared to like 300, 400 tickets for these other decks. Very affordable in comparison. So if you're looking for a cheap uh, way into the format, maybe check out that Ceram deck. Don't play yeah, the I mean, white-black discard deck, which was the cheapest deck that we saw at the PT, because that deck looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you if you own a playset of Thought Seizes, you're good. You can play the SRAM deck. Yeah, that's just that's the deck basically. That's the cost of the deck. That is the sideboard Thought Seizes. You'll have to do some homework and figure out what you want numbers-wise on the board by watching some replays and trying to. I mean, I guess you have to buy like four of every black white deck like land in the format but whatever it's not too bad yeah pretty cheap overall um i guess we can spare a moment just a moment though to stroke your ego (laughs) and talk about modern because as i hear it right now amulet titan is I believe the word was arms and legs. I think it was arms and legs above every other deck in the format is what someone was complaining on Twitter that I read today. Some some SCG pro. Uh, and that sentiment seemed to, res- uh, to, to resonate with people. I think a lot of people agreed that Titan is very powerful right now. Very good deck. How do you feel about this, Chris? How do you, how do you feel about the, uh, the continuing wave of success for your baby? Well, in my typical hipster fashion, I haven't been playing in the past two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once once Titan is arguably as good as it's ever been, you know, oh, best deck in the fucking meta game. I'm over here playing Ice Thing, Kawadal, Nexus of Fate. Excellent. Which I have to, I have to put in a little anecdote that I had failed to mention previously. Um, when I did beat Anari in the last round of No Splits Kill Em All. Oh, yes. He was on 8-ball, 10-ball, or whatever. Uh-huh. The elemental and deck. I attacked him to death with a couple codals after just randomly drawing Nexus Fate three consecutive turns. Nice. Nice. No revs, no foffs, just uh, attack for three, Nexus. I'm dead on board. Draw all look. Attack for three, Nexus. Still dead on board. Were you empty-handed? No, I... Uh, <laughs> but my hand was shit. Like... I didn't have anything going on. Did you just flip it every time? Because that's what I would have done. It's been like, oh. <laughs> I guess I could have played a pre-combat. That would have been hilarious. But I attacked him first. Oh, man. But every time he cut the deck, went straight to the Nexus. Nice. And then he's like, you know what? I'm not cutting it this time. Still a Nexus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Feels good. Yeah, so, sorry, Nari. Get, uh, get skilled on. <laughs> I cut Steve. But anyway, yeah, back to back to Amulet. Um, there's a lot of bit. Uh, there's been a lot of experimenting running around with the new Dryad in Valkut. I'm kind of of the opinion that that's probably not the best way to play the deck. Um, and I, I don't know what the general consensus is on that because I've been off. I've not been off, but I haven't really been playing the deck. Pretty sure people think it's busted. <laughs> the dried Valkyrie interaction? Yeah. It's like, it's just another thing to cram into Amulet. It's just like, you're like two-card Monty the land deck now. 
Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like, um, scapeshift should be in a really good position, right? I mean, it is. It also is. Like even more so than amulet, because I I feel that dried helps the titan ship deck more than it helps the amulet. Probably. And I mean, the amulet deck was already very good, but I I just can't get behind thinking that dried is. I mean, I I haven't been playing, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, I just can't really get behind that dried is just better than Azusa. Just like dried is both. Yeah, but like so, that's what I played this past league. And I, I got dumpstered, so there to see decks not OP. Um, <laughs> because Azusa, like the whole thing is get to a Titan, and Dryad just doesn't get you a Titan as well as Azusa does. So having a Dryad is arguably better than having. So having a Dryad when you play a Titan is arguably better than having an Azusa when you play a Titan. But it doesn't get you two. The Titan is easily. That's where you just play four or both. So if you have the Zeus, you have the Zeus. And if you don't, you get the Dryad. Easy. Yeah, so one thing is, I, I think that um, the lists that are playing, that are dropping scouts and are playing just four grazers are probably better optimized to take advantage of um, all the Dryads. Because you're much more likely to turn two a Dryad off of a turn one grazer than a turn one scout. That's true. Um. So... I was thinking about, like, you know, would I rather be bolting things or making zombies? Like, oh, making zombies is probably better, but now you don't really have to choose. Yeah, just do both. You can just do both, which is pretty gross. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to, like, have Shield of the Dead online and Azusa Bounce Land and make three zombies every turn. It's like, would you rather make two, three zombies every turn or make two zombies every turn while bolting two things? Yeah. It's pretty gross. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess I'm just a little bit sad that um, scout variants are probably not the best variant if you're replaying Dryad. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like playing with Scout. I mean, Grazer's cool and all, but he's just. Hey, man! This list got a sixth at the Modern Classic. It's just playing Scout and four of each. Yeah, I think that list is very close to what I was playing uh, online, and uh, it may be just a bad league for me, but it really didn't didn't feel the best. What I saw was pretty outside of normal bounds of variance. <laughs> like, I think you just your deck kind of just shit on you. <laughs> Don't think it really mattered what version you were playing. Yeah, so I'll I'll probably take it out for some more spins to to get a more concrete feeling on it mm-hmm. but I mean I don't think that it really sh- yeah. it's like another angle that the deck can attack from but your truly bad matchups I don't know if they're being shored up by having a dryad in your deck mm. like is playing dryad make you any better against the infect decks no, probably not. But playing four Ricci boys is better against the Infect decks. <laughs> yes, that so, is true. One hundred percent. Ricci boy, doing work. 
blocking things, going down for the cause. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but if they do come, if they do come for our amulets, I would imagine that once upon a time would take the hit. Because mm-hmm. um, everyone clamoring about ancient stirrings being the problem, ancient stirrings isn't even in the deck anymore. Yeah, I mean, once upon a time is just really absurd. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Card, cards, cards, gross. It's like zero man ancient strings. Yeah, <laughs> and it's better all out of the time. Yeah, it just blows my mind that like ancient strings is a card I honestly thought was like a problem card in the format for a long time, and they printed a better version. They're like, how about you just have it for free? <laughs> yeah, like the thing is, oh, it doesn't find amulet. That's true, but it it finds. All your ramp creatures, your payoff creature, and the lands you need to ramp with. Mm-hmm. It finds everything that Stirring's found in the lands because you, you, you played Stirring's. Oh, it found Amulet. Yeah, but I feel like you really would most of the time you're Stirring to find the bounce land you need. Karoo, yeah, that's what it seems like from watching you. Like hitting the bounce land is more critical than hitting the amulet a lot of the time. And this also hits the bounce land, but it also hits all your stupid little ramp creatures. Yeah. Or your dryad. And having one of those on turn one really accelerates things. Or just having the Azusa like really ensures that you get to do the thing. Yeah. And like uh Grazer versions are just, you know, gonna shit on these mid range decks even harder because they can't even interact with the ramp. Yeah, it just happens as an ETB. It just happens. Like Scouts can, you know, die to Ren and Six or Fatal Push or Bolt or something. But Razor just already did the thing. Yeah. And leaves itself sitting around for your Liliana Edict. Pretty gross. Protect. It has a reach. Reach so good. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've given you uh, a little bit of time to talk about Amulet, what's your uh, what's your salt of the week? What are you super excited to play? It mu- It must be. A card from Amulet, right? Must be something for your favorite deck. What are you super excited to play with? Um, if I can get everything put together, I'm super excited to play with a card I've talked about in the past cast, actually. A card very near not near and dear. I was like near and dear, huh? Wow. Uh, a card that I have Living some quick. history uh referencing talking about is Chronic Flooding. <laughs> That's right. We're gonna be playing Chronic Flooding. Oh boy. In a sleeve. In a sleeve. Perhaps even two sleeves. Double sleeved. Flood insurance. <laughs> Some water has to keep be kept out. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Chronic yeah, flooding. so I, I I'm uh I bought into the Underworld Breach flooding stupid fucking combo deck. But now they're just playing Tom Scour instead. Better against inverter. Uh, I mean, there there's still some of us playing um, chronic flooding. <laughs> You're and all since, about the chronic. Um, yeah, I'm all about the flooding. I'm all about the flood. <laughs> Open the floodgates. Yeah, is that why you play a thirty land deck normally? <laughs> right. Except I'm usually not flooding. Yeah, <laughs> you're just getting your mana screwed. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's time to. I'm going to do some underwater battle. (laughs) (laughs) 
underwater battle. It's called underwater breach. Underwater breach. <laughs> oh, it's a great name. Wow. Underwater breach. Ah, excellent. Because sure, all these new lists aren't really playing flooding as much anymore. But flooding is hot fire. <laughs> yeah, definitely raises some eyebrows. Some eyebrows, that's for sure. I mean, I guess the problem with chronic flooding is he gets he gets hit by mystical dispute. So you gonna come play Pioneer this weekend? Cause I am. Um, uh, maybe I don't know. If I can get the deck together, get it together, man. We'll face off. You can uh, you can wish you had a tome scour to kill me with. <laughs> what if we flood your lands? Oh man, brutal. <laughs> it doesn't really work though. <laughs> No, it doesn't work at all. Because like, Chronic Flooding's a bad card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and like, oh, I milled. Well, you're tapping the mana pre-inverter or the next turn when you're playing the Oracles, so not really a good window on that one. Oh, thanks. You gave me a a free black like, dark ritual every turn from my dig three times. <laughs> nice. Powerful. Now see, that's why you just lose to the magic mills. The magic mills. You just happen to mill all four of your inverters <gasps> on two taps. <laughs> yeah, you wish. Oh, that would be gross, though. That's like losing to mill in modern, right? They just like magic mill you, right? Sometimes just oh, glimpse you, and it's like, wow, you milled like all ten of my fetchable lands. I guess I lose now. <laughs> just like wow, that's a thing that happened. Powerful, yeah. Like. That's how the scapeshift players feel against Mill, right? Yeah. They're just like, oh, look, all my mountains are gone. How'd that happen? <laughs> I mean, not as much as they used to now that they've got uh, the Dryad. What mountains? I, They're all mountains. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dryad's, Dryad's pretty gross. Yeah. And has four toughness. Yeah. No bolts here. Got a big butt. Just good design, man. Anyway, John, what are, what are you hyped for this uh, coming week? Well, I am hyped for another card with a big, thick booty. I am <laughs> I'm hyped for Inverter of Truth with that, that sick toughness butt, man. Also, it's got a, a big front end, too. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just super hyped about the, uh, the Inverter deck. Um, I've been having a ton of fun playing it. I get to gloat about the fact that I picked it up before all the pros did. Um, I get to combo kill people and still play control in Pioneer, which is what I really want to be doing. Um, and uh, it's blue-black, which I love blue-black. I love playing blue-black decks. I love thought-seizing people, write the hand down, make them stew for a bit while I'm like, oh, maybe this one, or no, maybe this one. <laughs> Back and forth, watch the eyes. Which card? Oh, you don't want me to take this this one? Oh, okay, I'll take I'll take this one. Yeah, this card. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, just go to time. Play the maximum amount of magic every round, you know. I got the combo kill for speed when necessary, but then I can just fill the rest of the match with, you know, decision making. Which is what I really enjoy about magic, so You know, John, if you were really about the thick booty, <laughs> you'd be playing mono white so you can play Daxos. <laughs> yeah, you thick AF. <laughs> <laughs> it's like thick like a milkshake <laughs> oh man 
but uh yeah i'm super stoked to play in murder <laughs> um it's cool i uh i feel like an aspect of the deck that um you get better at as you play more is like knowing when you just like want to just beat down it feels like swans man you know your four mana flying idiot that just like kills people sometimes you're just like oh i guess i'm just dead to this stupid flyer like it happens with inverter too like sometimes you're like mm, oh they can interact with the combo they've got you know i don't know like a wild slash or whatever like oh how do i beat wild slash it's like play a six six attack three times got him yeah. oh <laughs> got him like oh you got 10 cards in your graveyard or you got like eight cards in your graveyard that's your deck now yeah and like oh my deck is now mono counter spells yeah like all the cards that are in the graveyard are cards you want more of there's no lands in there you've already got lands you're good it's just like like it's like um endless horizons where it just like strips all the crap out of your deck it's great you know draw free land every turn but it's a six six flyer so you know hey, i can't can't really complain and then like people do like um they like the worst is it gets bounced though man like brazen borrower your inverter of truth you know like, i have to play more magic now before i can actually replay it because you could never just like jam it the next turn because you have like a card or zero cards in your graveyard right so you're just like uh i guess i can't redeploy this it's like the ultimate tempo play getting your inverter of truth bounced unless you're gonna combo kill Ugh. yeah so not very good against the blue decks but against the the other decks quite nice <laughs> so uh, yeah look forward to that uh that video next week i'm gonna be putting that out see if i can convince chris here to to join me for some shenanigans we have to figure out we gotta figure out what our threat's gonna be man you need a sideboard threat and you got so many options you want three mana ashiok five mana ashiok you want pack rats you want a, a scarab god <laughs> pack rat my man yeah man pack rat yeah you cube all-star cube all-star yeah man we've killed a few people with pack rat and it's great too because you just just jam the rat against control like what are you gonna do you're gonna kill the rat you're gonna tap we're gonna tap low you tap you're tapping out to kill that rat huh okay well i'll just kill you just fucking kill you it's great oh you didn't kill the rat well there's like fucking 20 of them now there's rats everywhere just Call an exterminator, set up the mouse traps. <laughs> Good old like turn one rat. Oh, oh and vintage cube? Yeah, like land yeah. lotus fiddle rat. Like yeah. What do you got? <laughs> what do you got? You thought like, was... turn two land soul ring! Make a rat! <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh man. It's always like a good out of the uh the storm decks is your backup plan, like, oh, I can't storm off. Well, here's a rat. Like, oh my, yeah. my hand's getting low. Let's wheel so that we have seven more cards to feed the fucking rat. <laughs> oh, that was the greatest. You're just like time spiral. Untap six lands. Make two rats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it just puts like an absurd amount of power on the board, like in a hurry. Like it's it's cubed. No one has like efficient sweepers. Like, yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, this guy's playing Thousand Year Storm. Get these fucking fatal pushes out of my deck." Yeah, and like game two, you're like, "Uh, back rat." Like, uh, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Still not the best sideboard card ever, though. The, the best is when we were playing Storm and we played the Mirror and we brought in an Eidolon of the Great Revel <laughs> and just killed them with it. That was hot. Yeah, that was hilarious. We like storm off, like deal, like ex- you know, expansion explosion on him for like I don't know some amount of damage, and then like, all right, Eidolon, go. <laughs> what you gonna do? Attack you every turn? Like, yeah, oh, just great. Good, clean, fun magic. Very interactive. Uh, you like wheel and like, aha, I am playing on the storm deck and you've given me seven free cards. Eidolon. Huh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Like the, you just wheel until you find the Eidolon. You're like, they have a full hand. I don't care. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I think they like answered it once and we just like time spiraled and redrew the, <laughs> yeah, the we Eidolon. Did. We replayed it off the spiral. <laughs> Hope you find your answer again. <laughs> Tick tock, tick tock. Uh, man. Yeah. You gonna dig for it? Huh? <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> Anyways, I think that I think that brings us to a conclusion. We've uh, we meandered a little bit while discussing uh the wild format of Pioneer this week <laughs> into some very highly unrelated topics, but uh, it's all quite fun. So hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, thank you for checking us out and sticking around to the very end. If you're wondering where you can find more of our content, you can head on over to mtgconflicts.com. We also have a growing stable of content on YouTube for you to check out, plus some fun old stuff from the the archives. Like if you want to watch Chris take five color Zubera rally through an FNM, <laughs> one of our most viewed videos two years after the fact. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter under the same name. And you can support us and join the MTG Conflux community at patreon.com slash mtgconflux or by buying MTG Conflux shirts and swag on redbubble.com. You can check out the links on our Facebook and Twitter pages to get to those. And if you have any comments or suggestions, please reach out to us. We'd love to read them. We would love to do a mailbag episode at some point. So please send us your your messages um, so we can get that in the works. Again, we really do appreciate you sticking around and we hope you'll join us in the next one. 